This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. And now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Man, I got to tell you, I, I never get bored with doing this podcast because you never know where I'm going to be recording from. Right, right. And, and we're recording from a secret location in Lansing. Never know. Yeah, know, man. and I'll never tell. I'll never tell. It's it's absolutely cool. We're so glad to have everybody with us. My name is Jim Irvin, and this is Time Signatures. I am honored and pleased to have a very special musical guest with me today. I've been wanting to talk to this guy since I met him, um, which has only been a couple of months ago. Yeah. Uh, Chris Canis, or as many of you know him, Detroit's Prince of the Blues. What's up? Is definitely not your run-of-the-mill musician. <laughs> He started early in life, which we're going to talk about, with some incredible inspiration and guidance from his mother, Angela, mm-hmm. and his father, Leonard, and so many others. And the rest of the story is what follows. So I want to welcome you. Thanks so much for, for coming to Time Signatures. I appreciate having you here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks it's having uh, me, it's going to be fun. I can see this already, just the, yeah. the give and take and, and having you. a good time. But. I want to I want to dive right in here and just just ask you where did your what are your earliest memories of music when you were growing up? Um, earliest memory memory of music for me was probably uh, just just hanging out at home with mom. You know, uh, my my parents were were ballroom dancers and uh, they used to do a lot of that stuff and um, used to do hustles and my 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 mom has always sang. My dad used to sing all the time. Not professionally or anything, just, you know, sing me to sleep or something, singing Anita Baker or Luther Vandross or whatnot. Um, that would probably be my earliest memory. And uh, I think my first concert she took me to, I, I'm surprised I remember this, I was three, and she took me down downtown and we saw Ray Charles. And that was the first wow. first thing. And, um, and then after that, I saw Criss Cross, which what, is weird. What do you remember about, about Ray's concert? Um, I remember it was really hot and... It was like it was outside right downtown and um and I just remember just everybody was really quiet. That's that's what I remember most. It was very quiet and all you just all you heard was Ray and mm. and his ensemble. I'm getting goosebumps. And man, it was and it was you know, and then he hit Georgia and that was it. That was in his just dead silence. That's all I remember. I, I can't even imagine. I never got to see Ray, I never got to see BB. Mm-hmm. Um, I did send my mom to see BB King yeah. uh, for her birthday one year, and she said, "You want to go with me?" And I said, "No." I said, "I've got to work. I'm just, you know, I'll go see him sometime with you." And mm-hmm. that was the last time, you know, that he was in the area. Oh, really? My mom got to see him. She goes, "It was so funny because she called me up and she says he brought Lucille and everything." And I'm like, uh, "Mom, he always has Lucille. That's Lucille's that's his there. deal, yeah. you know. That's his jam." Yeah, yeah. but. Um, <laughs> So years later, uh, she asked me what I wanted to do for my birthday. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to go see the Moody Blues. Okay. I've always, nice. my mom, we have this cross-generational thing that sounds like very much like you and your yep. mom. Yep. 
and she introduced me to some of her music and I introduced her to some of mine. Mm -hmm. And um, the Moody Blues, I'll never forget it. Nights in White Satin was my jam growing Ooh. up. That was the song. That's the song right there. And I have seen the Moody's um, three times in concert. Yeah. Uh, but the time with my mom was very special to me because I'll never forget towards the end of the concert, she we were like 75 feet off the stage. Right. And um, she started walking up towards the stage and she was just kind of clapping and kind of swooning and, you know, doing this. And I'm like, oh, man, this is so cool to watch, you know, yeah. watch her have that moment. Right. You know, and it was, I wish I could have been there to see her with BB because I'm sure she was very much the same I was, way. I was just going to say, I mean, I know I was. I saw, I think I saw BB twice. Oh. Uh, once was at the Fox. Actually, both times were at the Fox Theater. Um, I saw the Moody's there at, at oh, Fox. Such a great room, too. It, isn't man. it beautiful? It's sonically, just awesome. Awesome to hear, especially for blues, too. Like, oh, I, yeah. I think some other people have seen, like, Brian McKnight or something, and they said, like, the bass was too heavy for, for his style of music. But, like, for blues and, and like, you know, instruments and stuff like that, and yeah. not just, like, a piped-in beat, it's, uh, it's, it's great. Well, I've seen the video of Bonamassa... Yeah. Um, down there when he brought Larry out on stage. Right. Yeah, I've seen that video. And that too. was when he launched, basically relaunched Larry's career with right. that with that album. Yep. Yep. And it was just, it was such a cool thing to watch because I've known Larry for several years, and um, you can't help but root for your friends, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And it was really cool to see him, you know. And of course, I would love to see Joe. I haven't seen him yet. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to see Buddy Guy Friday night. I've seen Buddy Guy too. He's, he's yeah. going to be at the, awesome, the Meyer Garden. Meyer Garden. Where's where the Meyer? Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids, right? Yep. Yeah. It's a Fred Meyer Garden, and we're going to be going down there on Friday evening. Um, so we're kind of dating this. Uh, this is the middle of June, so, for, you mm -hmm. know, it's not going to get aired for, for a minute, but that's okay. That's all right. That's um, and I'm really looking forward to it. And then we're going to see the Warren Treaty next week for the Ooh, Sonic Lunch in awesome Ann Arbor. Group. Yeah, man. And um, we're going to see Thornetta in October down in um, Albion mm -hmm. at the Balm on a Monday night. Yep. So yep. It, this is this is so cool because um, this is like my year for the blues. I'm I'm doing all kinds of stuff and meeting people and talking to really cool people yeah. and and um, I'm hoping to get uh, Taranzo Cannon on. Good man. And Good uh, man. oh boy, does he put on a show? Man, I'm telling you, like we, I first met Taranzo. We were actually it was here. In Lansing, I first okay. met Toronzo. It was during Michigan Blues Fest. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was it was called something else back then. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what it was called. That's all right. It was Old Town Blues Fest. It was called okay. Old Town Blues Fest. And um, yeah, he I was a little bit late, and like we had I had to have Frog like start the, like the first song because I don't know what was going on that day. I don't remember now, but <laughs> and, uh, and I remember Toronzo had like his overalls and his hat, his pimp hat. You know, he yeah, got yeah, the yeah, pimp hat on. yeah. And um and he came up to me after my set and he was like, Man, that was that was fire. That was that was like that was the Chicago way. I was like, ah, Chicago way, huh? All right. <laughs> Wrong is nice Detroit. Little, nice little segue. <laughs> well he has the, the he has the album Chicago Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, ah, that's that's an honor for me to hear you say that that was the Chicago way, because it's a lot of your players actually migrated from Detroit to Absolutely. Chicago. So yeah. you might not know that. No, I didn't. A lot of people didn't know that. That's fantastic. He he put on a great show down at the Always. Jackson Blues Fest. Man, Joanna Connor closed out the night. Joanna, with, oh my God, yeah. Miss Joanna. Yeah, you were. Man. Where were you? You were in Detroit or something last that weekend. It was um, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Um, I was here. Were you up here? No, was no, here. no. It was it was. Yeah, Jackson yeah, Blues but it was the night after you were here. Right. Okay. So the tenth. So they were on the the Friday. And you, I think you were in Ann Arbor on the hill, right? Yep. 
There you go. I was at top of the park on top of the park. Yeah, I got it right. Yep. Okay. So all right, yeah, we could do this all night. We could. We actually. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to get back to this and and talk about you a little bit here. What was your favorite song when you were growing up? Did you have one that just sticks in your mind and? Um, it it varied, as as I as I progressed. It it started off as, it was a Luther Vandross song. It was a uh, bad boy having a party. Okay. That was my jam when I was in diapers, pretty much. <laughs> and um, and then it I don't know what this song do, did to me at the time, but as I was getting older, it I heard an Aretha Franklin, old Aretha Franklin version. She was a little bit heavier back then. She still had the fro, you know. Mm-hmm. She still sat at the piano all shy, and um, it was "Bridge Over Troubled Water." Ooh. That was like one of the first songs that broke me down to tears, and. From that moment on, I was like, this is what I need to be like. Like, this is this is what I need to do musically, is move people and and bring out the emotions that she had in that song. And that one single performance of just her and a piano and then, like, two background singers. I think it was on a, a talk show, Ed Sullivan, or I don't remember what show it was, wow. but he just was like, Aretha Franklin, and then she just, bam, gentle, smooth. She didn't overexert herself. There's got to be video like that somewhere. I'm there have to, is a video. On and YouTube? I go or? back to it every now and then to remind myself, this is what you need to be You right need here. to send me a link to that. I will Seriously, send it to you. I want to see I'll that. I'll send it to you. Because yep. I'll tell you what, I, I love when you, when you get to see an artist redo a song mm-hmm. that somebody else did, do a cover of it, but make it their own. Man. It's, it's, it's hers now. Yeah. Like, it belongs yeah. to her now. So that's crazy. Because that's, so, yeah. That's that crazy. So I want to go back. Uh, I want to walk you through your, your younger years. You started playing cornet in school. Yep. Um, Fifth grade. But you found your way down another path, didn't you? I did. I did. There was, um, and I'll never forget, this This man was pivotal in into what I do now. Okay. Uh, his name was David Drake. He was my instructor in middle school and my football coach. Okay. Um, and I told him, I was like, I don't want to play football. I'm a soccer player. That's when I you know, played soccer for 15 years. And he was like, no, I think you'd be good at football. And I was like, all right, fine, whatever. As long as I can continue to do band and football at the same time, then we're, then we're good. We don't, I, you know, I'll do for you, you do for me. Let me play band, and then you know, we'll go that way. Right on. So I was in sixth grade and finally got to trumpet, and, or cornet, rather. Same instrument, pretty much. It's, it's slightly different. Right. Um, and, and I remember he wanted me to be a kicker. And I was like, all right, I'll be a kicker, sure. You wanted me to play football to be a kicker? He's like, well, you play soccer. <laughs> I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> so then I started, you know, started as kicker, and then he saw how fast I was, and then he switched me to running back and kicker, and then he saw how hard I hit, so he, sw- he put me on running back, kicker, and linebacker. Oh, man. He's like, dude, you're going to have to do something for me now. Like, I can play band more? or So he upgraded me to eighth-grade jazz band because he said, you're great at classical but you're putting a little too much stank on this Beethoven. So <laughs> okay. you're going to have to go to jazz band. Go do that. Right on. So he put me to jazz band, and that was it. From that point on, we had a guitar player in class who was supposed to play trombone, but he also played guitar. And um, and I was like, dude, I want to do that. Like, what is that? And that was it for me. Now, now talk about the old P bass that you found. <sighs> That's that's heartbreaking. Do you still have it? No, you I don't, don't okay. still have it. Okay. And it's it's very hard to talk about because it was my grandfather's P bass. Okay. And it was very old, very old bass from the 60s. And I found it cleaning out my grandmother's garage. And 
it just I just happened to find. I was like, what is this? It's like it was covered. It was I think it was like jet brown. It was like as brown as that garbage can over there. Okay. And it was it was just so gross and yes, so we're, dirty. We're sitting outside, by the we way. We are outside. That's now. why you can hear we the birds outside. singing. You hear birds and wind and <laughs> and footsteps <laughs> and squirrels. But um, but no, I I found that bass and I just wanted to know what it was. It only had two strings on it, so I cleaned it up mm. and shined it up real nice. And still, I think the bridge was broken, so the only two strings only two strings could work. So I was like, all right, well, I'll fiddle around with it and see if I can get it to work. So I got sound. So I was like, okay, I got sound. I'm good. I can try to, you know, do what the kid on guitar in my jazz class was doing. There you go. So I was like, fine, I can learn something. So I learned Tracy Chapman, mm. um, Give Me One Reason. Yeah, yeah. And then I learned yeah, yeah. some other funk brother stuff. And it was like, it was very limiting because there's only two strings. Right. And then I think a year had passed and I was still playing those two strings, happily, mind you. And my mom was like, you know what? Open this gift right here. And it was like, it, it was a bridge. And I was like, I don't really know what this is, but, <laughs> but thank you. And and then, you know, I, I didn't think anything of it. And the next thing I know, she said, all right, here's something else, like a week later. And that bridge was now on the bass that I found. And wow. it said badass bass on it. Badass bass too. It was a badass bass bridge. And I was like, all right, can I, I can get four strings now? Or is, is that what this is for? Because I knew nothing about guitars right. at all. So, um, so yeah, then she got me some strings. And I was like, ooh, more notes and more things I can do. And then I just started playing bass. And that was my first love, first stringed instrument. Wow. Um, and then after that, I went to piano. And then after that, I went to saxophone. And after that, harmonica. And then so on and so forth. Many instruments later, finally got a guitar. It was a bright red Squire. Okay. Strat style guitar. And it sounded like trash. <laughs> but I loved it to death, and I started, you know, doing my thing with the, with that guitar. So that is so cool. Now, I've got to I've got to have you tell another story. Yeah. Because I read this and I thought I got to hear it. Tell me about the first time you heard the blues coming from that cherry red T-top Camaro. Dude, man, who, who okay. was driving it, and who what did driving? you hear? All right, here's, and tell here's, me about. Here's it. how it went down. Here's how it went down. I, have this, <laughs> oh, I got this uncle right. I got this uncle right. Yep. I call him Jamerson because that's his name. He wants people to call him Jay or whatever. It's like, you ain't you ain't that cool to me, bro. You just Jamerson with the big ears. That's all you are. <laughs> You're just my uncle. <laughs> and, uh, but, it's, I mean, he was he was only like six or seven years older than me, so he's pretty much like my older brother growing up. You know, we got into a bunch of stuff. and Sure. And um, But, yeah, he had this bright red 1999 or 98 T-top Camaro, and he was supposed to pick me up and take me to my grandmother's house where he lived at the time. And uh, so he picked me up. But all I heard was doom, 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 I was like, wait, what is that? And he pulled up, and he had, like, these 15-inch speakers in his car because, you know, he was trying to – that's what they did back then. Sure, they still sure. do it now, kind of. And um, that's all you heard was the bass. And I was like, what is that? I don't know what that is. And um, so he comes in, and I'm like, what What was that song? He's like, oh, that was just – that was a thrill is gone. And I was like, well, who? who is that? He's like, it's B.B. King, boy. I was like, oh, okay, that explains it. Cool, thanks. Because at the time, the only blues record I had ever heard was The Simpsons Sing the Blues. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's where my blues journey started. The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Lisa Simpson sings the blues. <laughs> Moaning Lisa Blues, by the way. 
that's where it started. <laughs> but I don't tell people that part. I'm making a note for myself. The BB King part. I'm making a note for myself <laughs> to look for this album. Dude, it's, it's hard to find now. It's yeah. hard to find. They might have it on the internet. It's the internet days now. But, sure, sure. But um, but yeah, I heard that that first BB King note, and that was I was done, man. I looked up every single thing that BB King had ever did because I was like, that's that's the guitar I want to play because I right. was more into jazz back then too. Right, right. I was playing trumpet. So I'm still doubling jazz with trumpet, and then now I've got this new sound that I didn't know existed. That so I'm going to stop you right. Awesome. I'm going to stop you right there because I want to read something to the listeners, mm-hmm. and then I've got a question for you about what I'm about to read here. All right. This is I don't know if you wrote this or if your mom wrote this or what, but it said he spent days locked away in his room, and after learning every BB King, Albert King, and Freddie King song note for note. For six months, he wrote his first album at the age of 15, Shades of Blue, locked away studying the famed Kings of, King of the Blues. Kings of the Blues, yeah. sorry, as they were known. Absolutely. Now, you started recording your own music at 15. I'm, right. I am I was talking to Amber about this earlier. Amber <laughs> is the photographer, the, the, the gal that sells all the, all the merch. I mean, right, she's, right. she's at all the concerts. And we were sitting here talking before you got here, and... She was talking about that, but but it's it's a story in and of itself because mm-hmm. not many fifteen year olds are going to sit down and and show that kind of dedication. No, no, they wouldn't. And no, and not, when not most normal. kids are wanting a PlayStation, what did you get? Man, look, I wanted that PlayStation so bad. <laughs> oh, everyone, everyone, all of my friends, because I grew up in Farmington too. And, sure. Uh, all my friends had them, and I was like, I'm tired of coming to y'all house. I just want to play it by myself. And yeah, I asked for one. Which I never asked for anything. Like my my parents know they're like, oh, he's just we get him whatever, and he's happy with it. He's fine. Um, but I was like, hey, so how about that PlayStation though? Like they a lot of these kids have PlayStations, and she was like, okay, and that's all she said. And then come Christmas <laughs> or I think it was or was it my birth? It was a birthday. My come my birthday, she had the box, and I was like, all right, cool. And I opened it and it said Tascam. I was like, I don't know what this is. This is like the badass bass situation all over again. So it was a Tascam four-track analog mixer. I was like, all wow. right, this is cool, but I don't. what do I do with it? Like, She's like, oh, you can put music on it. Like, you can record, and, like, you can record yourself playing guitar, and then you can, like, rewind it and go back and record yourself playing something else. I was like, oh, that, that might be fun. All right. So I took it in my room, hooked it up, didn't know what I was doing, and just hit record, and I was like, okay, do I plug into it? Or I don't know. I didn't know what to do, so... Um, eventually, I figured it out, and uh, and yeah, recorded Shades of Blue by myself in in the room. She had she did have a drum pad that her partner had bought her, so uh, so I would you know try to play all the beats on this stupid little drum pad, which sounded like it sounded like crap to a real drummer. But. So you so you basically did did you do everything on the album? Every single thing on every album until wow. she's breaking me. That was the first time I took a band into a room. To record noise so. so you put the first what is that five is first that four uh let's see shades of blue see sun, sunshine uh pure as gold i think there's one more is there one more and then i think it goes she's breaking me so the first four or five wow. was all all me even the horn section and i only had four tracks so i had to figure out a way to get more instruments sure sure instead of having only four so I was like, okay, well, if I record one track, can I, like, 
record and then have that track playing so I can double up on tracks and just do it that way. And I figured out later that that's called bouncing. Okay. Like you record one track and then you play it and you record something else and now you have two instruments on one track. Wow. But I had to keep doing that back and forth, back and forth. And the problem with doing it that way is you have to play it perfectly every time and in time. Oh, I can yourself. imagine. Yeah. So it's like it was a headache. So that's why I'm so good now at keeping keeping like drummer time because I've had to do it by myself so much. So yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. And you know, um, you released that first album, um, and shortly thereafter, you were exposed to Iwana. Yeah, you want to fire Taylor. Yeah, tell yeah, me yeah. that story, man. Yeah. You're 15 years old at, that time, at the time? I was 15 still, yep. Wow. I'm almost 16. I was getting there, getting to the okay. to the to the age of 16. And um but yeah, what had happened was I was playing in Ipsy. Um and this was after after the neutral zone in the teen center and I got, you know, I was an ambassador for teens in in Ann Arbor and um and helped the neutral zone like build a studio so that they could have teens go into the studio and they could like produce an entire album really is that still there the neutral zone moved so i don't know okay. if they kept the studio that we all built but okay the original neutral zone on uh on main street in ann arbor it's the building is still there okay but um they probably moved the studio but we had sound reinforcement and everything it was awesome and they, teens yeah could, i mean that's really cool teens could like go in and like record a whole whatever they want and then you know it was a cool spot it was it was a really cool spot but um so yeah, she after that I won a comp uh, a talent show by again using my weird bounce tracks. I was able to take out my voice and guitar and then have that track behind me. I saw I made my own like live track, so to speak, because I didn't know what I was doing. So, um, so well, I you clearly figured it out. I figured it out. <laughs> I could perform the song. I could play the solos and sing, but have the whole track still be behind me. And and then I just I won the competition for that. And then um, after that, I started going to Ipsy, and my mom was recording me, like play at these blues jams, and uh, it was the tap room at the time, and uh, and Iwana used to go to the tap room, and she saw me, she was like, oh, we we gotta have you, baby, so we gotta have, we gonna take you on the road with us, so I hit the road with Thornetta, or not Thornetta, but uh, with Iwana, and then after Iwana, I eventually met Thornetta too. Okay, yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna kind of ping pong into that when you were like eighteen, mm -hmm. you. Uh, basically were taken under the wing of Thornetta Davis, who is phenomenal yeah, in the Thornetta's Detroit great. blues scene. Thornetta, I mean, she's the queen. I mean, she's great. You got the, you got the prince, you got the queen. I right. mean, I would consider, let's, let's, I mean, we need a king. Like I didn't want to be king because kings are, you know, they're, they're up there. They've been doing stuff. So I would say like maybe Larry might be the king. Yeah. He's, he, let's say he's the king. Okay. Yeah. I don't, you know, he's another guy that's very much like yourself. Very humble. Yeah, and oh, I think he, he might argue with you, and you might say, "Ah, oh, no, no, no." Somebody, he'll, he'll say that if you ever, if you interview him, and you say, "Yeah, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be the king of Detroit blues," and he'd be like, "Oh no, there's somebody else out there. I'm sure there's so, somebody else better than me out there." <laughs> I love Larry though. Larry is uh, he's one of a kind. I met him several years ago. Um, mm -hmm. I worked in radio in Lansing, mm -hmm. and I, I remember them doing Blues on the Square, and mm. Larry was a, like a regular at Blues on the Square, and then you know I got out of radio. And uh, several years went by, and uh, WMMQ was having their birthday bash, and they happened to have Larry. Oh, yeah. Played right over here on Saginaw. Okay, um, yeah. Over at the, um, 
oh, I can't remember the name of the the bar now. It changed. It changed names it's now. Changed, yeah. But um, he did their their birthday bash, mm-hmm. and it was so much fun because I hadn't heard Larry in quite a while. Um, but Larry's one of those people that never, never, never gets full of himself. He's right. always very personal. Always. Um, I got to see him earlier this spring, and um, I brought my son with me because I wanted him to to come and hear Larry. Yeah, yeah. And, was that the uh, son I met? No, that was my nephew. That was your nephew. My, okay. Yeah, you're going to meet my son. He's, Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, he's, he's definitely getting into the blues. And I had told Larry that he, you know, was kind of playing guitar a little bit. And he goes, mm-hmm. oh, you pick strings, huh? He says, <laughs> he says I'll tell you what. He says, uh, when you're ready, you know, and you want to sit down and pick some strings together, you know, and you're ready to share your music. For sure. Be happy to do it with you. And I looked yeah. at him and I'm like, do you realize what just happened? Right. I mean, Larry's, he's every bit as legendary as Thornetta, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. Toronzo, yeah. in in my opinion. He's he may not be on that level of buddy guy, but he's damn close. He's, he's I mean he's up there, dude. He's like, definitely yeah, up there. Yeah. And but but still one of the nice most humble, kind, personable individuals you ever want to meet. Yeah. For and sure. I know I'm not telling you anything. For sure. Oh yeah, I've, I've played with Larry a couple times, man. Yep. He's he's always been cool. Always been always been humble. Always just like just you know down home down down south kind of guy, man. He's just awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. And his skill is is immeasurable. His, his skill and his voice. What's funny is I write a lot of songs, right? And I sometimes I hear different voices in my head, not not in a bad way or anything, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't answer them, but at least. Um, so I hear a lot of voices in my head when I'm writing songs, and certain songs I'm like, man, this this has got a little Milton feel to it. Like little Milton should be singing this. And I've had that moment on this newest album, I wrote a song and I was like, I hear Larry's voice. I just hear it. It's got to be boomy and it's got to have that that slight back of the throat nasal lift to it, but it still has to have depth in it. And I need, I want Larry's voice on it. And I ended up not contacting Larry to be like, hey, I got a song for you. And because I was like, he's he's going to say no. He's not going to want to sing on a song that I wrote. He, he, likes, he likes to write his own song. So I never, I never contacted him. And I regret it. You're talking I about might... the album Detroit. Yeah. You're going to yeah. tell me the song? I don't know if I can. Come on. I don't know, man. Come on. Tell I still, me. I still might contact him. I still might be like, hey, I want you to sing this song. You won't You won't share, huh? If he says yes, then I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if he says yes, I'm going to have you both back. How's that? Yeah. Well, it was, it, okay, I'll tell you. It was Detroit. But it was Detroit, but it was written differently back then. Okay. So I might have to play you the original version that I had in mind before I finally landed on the Detroit we have now because it's a little bit different. Is it, it, okay, let me ask you this. Is it something better suited acoustically? Maybe. Okay, why don't you yeah, do it? I wrote it why don't you acoustic. do it at Horrocks? Yeah, I'll do it at Horrocks next week. Because I'll be there. Okay. You know I'm going to be there. Yeah, yeah. I'll as soon as it. I found out, I'm going I'm to get my son and I'm going to come out because that's a Friday yeah, yeah. night. Make and sure, oh, also make sure your son brings a guitar just in case. Yeah, he, no. You won't do it? No. No, Why no not? he's not ready yet. Oh, come on. I he's like me with the bass. Either. I just picked up the bass and started playing, and I was tell, talking to DC about it. Right. He's like, oh, man, you're playing the bass. I said, well, I just I just got the bass. Yeah, yeah. I haven't gotten there yet. We could all, I, like, we should just do, like, a, a trio for, like, a song or two. <laughs> and you don't need my, look, I learned on two strings, the whole songs, <laughs> you know, on them two strings. 
So if I could do the two strings, you, you how many strings you got? I got four. Got Actually, four. I got four, and I got another one that's that's got five. Because you got two bases. I'm one of these idiots that goes out and listen. <laughs> look at my setup. I've thrown bad money after good getting the setup right. that I've got right now for doing this podcast. And it sounds good. And yeah. I've got a, a considering what you the badass base. This is the badass podcast. Exactly setup. right, right. And I absolutely love it. Well, I'm I'm one of those people. I don't want to do things half-assed when it comes to playing music. Thank you. So I I picked up a. Uh, uh, a Fender, what's the the cheaper Fender bass? Um, uh, a Squire. I think like it is a, a Fender Squire bass. Yeah. yeah, and I got a little Rumble 15. I mean, it's mm -hmm. nothing fancy, but I got you know I got a gig bag for it. And then I picked up this. I can't remember the other one, mm -hmm. um, but I have another uh, bass that you know it's a five string. Mm -hmm. So because I would really like to learn the the five string bass as opposed to the four. Okay. That way I can still play the four. Right. So. Yeah. But it listen, we are going to wrap up this episode. Yes, sir. We have yes, already sir. shot through almost 29 minutes here. <laughs> um, but I, I, I really, my guest has been Chris Canis. He's, he's a wonderful musician. If you want to check, up, check out his music, Chris, where can they find you? All right, you can check us out at chriscanis.com or .net. doesn't matter. We got both. Um, you right can on. check us out on Facebook. Uh, it'd be Chris Canis Blues on Facebook, the Chris Canis on Instagram, and I'm not sure if I even have a Snapchat anymore. So you can check if you like. It's Chris Canis either way. And he's got seven albums out there for you to choose from. Yeah. Detroit, we're going to talk about that on the next episode because yes, I love that album. Uh, that was my first, the first music that I discovered you on. Oh, okay. And uh, we're definitely going to talk more about that. But tune in next time. We will have Chris Canis back here one more time. And we're looking forward to it. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive.